Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Ruth chapter 1 and starting with verse 1. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. Can everyone say famine with me? Famine. There was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi, and the name of his two sons was Milan and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah, and they came into the country of Moab and continued there. Verse 3, and Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left, and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. Jesus. Such a beautiful presence. Powerful. Powerful. Anointing that I feel in this place right here, right now. God, I know you've been waiting for this moment all day. And so, Lord, we're just asking for a little while longer. Lord, we know your word is anointed. We're asking that you'd anoint our ears to hear, that you'd anoint our hearts to receive, or you'd anoint our eyes to perceive and our minds to perceive tonight, Jesus. Do the work, Lord, that you've come to do. Lord, nothing in part but a completeness and a wholeness, Jesus. Everything that you've come, Lord, that which is crooked, God, I know you've come to make it straight. That which is in part, Lord, you've come to make it whole. And so let it be, Jesus, without lack and without want, Jesus. Ah, Let faith rise in the house tonight, Jesus, and let your will be done. In your mighty name, Jesus, in your mighty name, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. If you could just for one moment lift your hands and lift your voice and let's just magnify God for just a moment. Oh Jesus, Lord, you are great, you are worthy, you are holy. There's no like you, Jesus. You are the master of us. Jesus, you are the way maker, you are the changer. You are the one who sets everything in order, Jesus. So Lord, we're asking you, Jesus. We're blessing you, we're anointing you, Jesus. Giving you liberty, Jesus. Speak what you speak. Stir what you stir, and to move what you move, Jesus. Take the liberty of this place. God, we are in praise, Jesus. Help us heal. We pull up a sin. Thank you, Jesus. 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 You may be seated in Jesus' name. going to walk back through it for just one moment. Verse 1, it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was famine in the land. Famine in the land. This is not the first time that there's been famine in the land, and this isn't the last time that there will be famine. 
I really do believe, and with every passing moment, every passing day, I'm becoming more and more convinced, and I'm seeing the evidence of it continually, that God's word is true, and that there's power, and there's depth, and there's anointing in the word of God. And just like our pastor says, this is a road map. It's a road map for life. It's the owner's manual to our life. This is a narrative of God and man. This book really is a story of you and God. It's a story of me and God. And if we'll write ourselves page after page and parallel our lives with this word, ah, it will have a powerful effect, a healing effect. And so... I draw our attention tonight to the famine and the well. The famine and the well. A couple words that jump out at me here as Elimelech takes his family in a time of famine from the promised land and he seeks refuge in the land of Moab. In case it doesn't ring a bell, Moab is not a pleasant place and it is not a, a, the Moabites are not a pleasant people. Matter of fact, their heritage is that of incest. And not only was that their beginnings as a people, it continued throughout their generations. And here we have a A man and a family that is of the household of faith, they're of the household of Israel from Bethlehem. And during the time of the judges, it's no wonder that we would find them in a time of famine. And God was constantly chasing after his people. And over and over and over again, we see in, within the narrative of the Bible, within the pages, of the Bible, we see how God chases after man by allowing man to have free will and choice. And we see over and over again as man would stray and walk away from God, how God never pulled back his hand from man, but God would let man go and choose. And just like the illustration goes, as it starts to get darker outside, if we were to turn the lights off in here, darkness will come in like a flood. But only when the light is turned off. Light is greater than darkness. Darkness does not overcome the light. And so it's the same thing within the narrative of the word. God never took his hand off the people. The people would try to get themselves removed from the hand of God. And so here we have a man that's in a time of famine because the people of God are not serving God. And God says, okay, if you're going to step out of my blessing and you're going to step out of my will, you're going to reap the consequences of that. And so they find themselves in a time of famine. The word sojourn, it's to turn aside from, for lodging perhaps, as a guest, also to shrink 
or to fear as in a strange place. The meaning is also to gather for hostility. To sojourn was never to be a place of permanent residence. And so we see from the words used here in the word of God that this man taking his family, his plan was to seek refuge with an evil people for a season. The intent was never to stay. It was just to get away and to get some reprieve. It's at the end of verse 2. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And, and I'm reminded of, of, of the saying, and we know it, we've heard it, and it, it, it's true. That sin is progressive. Right? The thief cometh for to steal, kill, and destroy is what the word says. That's a progressive thing. And we've heard it said that sin will always take you deeper than you ever planned on going, cost you more than you ever planned on paying, and keep you longer than you ever planned on staying. And so this man, who was just sojourning, he continues there. It's at the bottom of verse 4, that what started out as a temporary journey and continued there, and the name of the other Ruth, and they dwell with, they dwelled there about 10 years. He had never planned on staying. And this is where I just got to give us a word of encouragement. I'm not going to call this a warning. I'm going to give this as a word of encouragement. <sighs> In the house of God, with the people of God, as part of the family of God, that is the place to be. There's no better place. There's no more healthy place. No matter what the season may look like, this is the place to be. This is where God's hand is. God hand, God's hand is upon you regardless of what season you may find yourself in. Ahimelech, if he had done well, he should have realized and he should have reminded himself, he should have looked at the history and his lineage, and he should have said, wait a second, I am in the right place, even if it's an uncomfortable moment. It may feel like a tight space in an uncomfortable place, but it's the right place because this is where God's blessing is. And it may not even be something of my own doing or of your own doing. Sometimes things just come upon us. The nation as a whole was not serving God. God's hand is still outstretched for them. And yet, as a whole, they are resisting God, and so they find themselves in a famine. The Bible doesn't say that Ahimelech was a, a bad man or an evil man. He just went to the wrong place for the wrong reason. There's no place like the church. There's no place like the kingdom of God. Hmm. I, I, I'm, I'll tell you, my life is blessed because of the church. My, my life is blessed. Every good thing I can think of in my life is because of the church and because of the kingdom of God. And I'd even go further and say it's because of this church. This is where my roots are. This is where I met my wife. Huh. 
every good thing I can think of is because of God. You're in the right place at the right time. And when things get rough, when those seasons come upon us, don't think it's going to be better somewhere else. Ahimelech thought, oh, I can go for just a little while. I can get a little bit of reprieve. I can maybe get back a little bit of what I've lost. And I'll come back. There will be a time and a place when I'll come back. Don't think you're going to step out that door. And you're going to be guaranteed a chance to come back. Because what started out as just a temporary plan, it was forever for Ahimelech. He continued there. They dwelled there in verse 4. It cost him everything. It cost his children everything. And so, this was all because of a famine. Everyone say famine. I would propose to you today that in, within the narrative of the Bible, famines are a good thing. Turn with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter 12. A familiar passage of scripture for sure. It's the beginning of huh, the people, the chosen nation of God. It's the beginning of the chosen family of God. It's the beginning of the chosen man of God, Abraham. It's just a few verses earlier that he had received his call from God, a call of obedience and a call of faith. Maybe it'd be better, we'd be better to say a call of obedience equipped by steps of faith. And a few short verses later in verse 9, and Abraham journeyed, going on still toward the south. You see, God had told Abraham, Go, and God didn't even tell him where to go. He just said, go, and I will show you faith. You, you know, this started in faith. It's going to continue in faith, and it'll finish in faith. Amen. It's going to have to, because it's all about faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And it was what? By faith that the elders obtained a good report. And so Abraham stepping out in faith, and so early on, in verse 10, and there was a famine in the land. Say famine with me, everyone. Famine in the land. Thank you for that. There was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there. And there you have it again, to sojourn. Abraham's idea early on in his walk with God, in his walk of faith, comes across a famine, and the first answer is to go down to Egypt. Now, this early on in Scripture, it hasn't come to pass. The knowledge and the understanding isn't quite there yet, but those of us who know, which is probably most of us, know the contents of the Word of God. We know that Egypt represents the world. It represents worldliness. It represents sin. 
Why? Because it represents bondage. And those things will always end up, hmm. the Bible says no man can serve two masters. And I'm also reminded that the scripture says, submit yourself therefore unto the Lord, resist the devil, and he shall flee from you. So when you think of submitting or serving, we're, it's one or the other. We're submitting to one, and we're resisting one. It's that simple. When Israel would go astray, they were resisting God. By nature, they're then submitting to the devil. It's just the way it is. There's no third choice. Let God's word be true, and every man a liar. And so Abram, his instinct is to go down to Egypt. Egypt looks better, but this early on in Scripture, God already knows that's a mistake. And that's why it's in the word for you and for me. He went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for, fa- for the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass, when he was come near to enter into Egypt, he said unto Sarai, that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore, tell the Egyptians that you are my sister. I'll remind you, it was half true. (laughs) But those of us with children, what do we always tell them? That a half truth, well, it's a full lie. Right? And we know the progression of it. What starts out in one generation, it's progressive. The next generation... It's a full lie. And then you get to the third generation. It's all out deceit, steal, deceive. No matter what it takes to get what you want. The progressive path of sin. So Abraham's idea is to go to Egypt. It looks like in a time of famine that Egypt would be a good place to be. But Egypt starts to immediately bring out the worst in Abraham. He's known as the father of the faithful. And Egypt immediately reveals a lack of faith. And you just think of it, it may not be super deep, but it's super important to understand. Egypt is not the place to go in a time of famine. Chapter 13 in verse 1, and Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had in Lot with him into the south. Abram thought that the answer was in Egypt. Huh. The answer was where God wanted him to begin with, in Canaan land. And when Abram answered God's call, when he was in the right place doing the right thing, all of a sudden, immediately, out of nowhere, verse 2, and Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. Interestingly enough, it's in this very next, the same chapter 13 that we, we find Abraham being blessed and Lot being blessed right alongside, beside him. They become too great for the land. And this is where their herdsmen start to strive together. They start to fight together. And Abraham 
tells Lot, we need to separate. We've become too great for the land. And so you take your choice of where you want to go. And I will go the opposite direction. It's in Genesis 13 and verse 10 that Lot lifted up his eyes and behold all the plain of Jordan. And it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Even as the garden of Egypt, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zor. So Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. It's verse 14 that really jumps out at me. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, Lift, lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art, northward and southward, eastward and westward, for all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. And Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. Hmm. Lot looked down, and Abraham looked up. And I'll remind you, Below is always lower. Above is always greater. We need to keep moving. We need to keep climbing. We need to keep looking up. Amen? So there was the first time in the scripture that famine was mentioned. Interestingly enough, the next time that famine is mentioned is in Genesis chapter 32. we got to back up just a little bit. We'll go to 26 first. Genesis chapter 26 and verse 1. And there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. This is the second time that famine is mentioned in the Bible. And here's the ugly truth. Famines will come and famines will go. But all of us will go through famines. All of us will go through storms. All of us will go through wilderness times. It's just part of life. I wish I had time to talk about the other scenarios. I don't have time tonight, so we're going to focus just on the famine. Isaac, Abraham's chosen son, finds himself in a famine just like Abraham went through. And 
Here's the spiritual truth. We all must go through famines. And here's why. Because Isaac could not walk on Abraham's faith. Isaac ah, couldn't live on the shirt tails of his father. And famines cause something to happen within us. We already know that the mistake, we see this from Ahimelech's life, we don't want, it's not a time to go running, it's not a time to go uh, looking for something greater, greener pastures or a better place to go. Famines are a time where we need to hunker down and perhaps start drilling down. Hmm. Start digging down. And we see a narrative starting to form in the Bible where God's saying, Isaac, yes, you are called too. You're the next one in line here. And, and that, that same blessing and that same promise that was Abraham's is going to flow through you. I'm passing it on to you. It, you're part of it. But you're going to have to dig some wells yourself. You're going to have to go through some famines yourself. You cannot survive on the faith of your father. It's the same for all of us. You can't survive on my faith. Uh, I, I can encourage you and I will encourage you. I, I can't survive on my pastor's faith. I can't survive on other people's faith. It's going to have to be my faith. It's going to have to be your faith. And famines will grow your faith if you identify the famines and if you... Hmm, Apply the biblical principles. Amen. Isaac went unto Ahimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerer. Now, now, when I was first preparing this, I was like already right there. I'm like, aha! Shouldn't go to the Philistines either. <laughs> oh, hold on. I just had to read a little bit further, study a little bit more. Where's Isaac supposed to be? In Canaan land, right? That's right. Verse 2, and the Lord appeared unto him and said, this is like immediately. Isaac's in a famine. Ah, I'm going to go to greener pastures. And God appeared unto him and said, go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I tell thee of. Now, ah, that's what I love about the word of God. It's, it's progressive too. God's grace is progressive. God's mercy is progressive. Not because it changes, but because as we grow and gain a greater understanding of it, it's empowering, and it will grow you. It will put on spiritual muscle, right? As we're feeding the spiritual man, and the spiritual man is gaining spiritual muscle, muscle of faith, ah, virtue. It's true. And so God steps in and go not down to Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. I believe God stepped in there that quickly because although Isaac's initial response was, okay, I'm going to just go to a little bit greener pastures, I'm going to go to the land of the Philistines, there must have been something that God knew. God knows a few things, right? <laughs> He's pretty smart and he's really good at what he does. If we're going to put our trust in anyone, perhaps it should be an all-knowing God. Right? Who, while we were still sinners, he died for you and he died for me. 
A God that loves us that much? A God whose grace has is, is got us in, surrounded? Like, sorry for it, but I can't think of anything better. Like a bubble boy? His grace got you hemmed in before and behind? His hand upon you? You can't get away from God's grace. All you can do is resist it, just like Israel did for oh so long. Keep turning those lights off. God's trying to turn it back on. He is light, right? We learned that, Brother Smith. God's grace. God knew something. God knows things. <laughs> that ought to inspire faith. God knows you. He knows your thoughts before you even have them. He knows our needs before we even have need of them. You know, this God has the answer in place before we ever even know we need the answer. Amen. And so God steps in, do not go down to Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell thee. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee and bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. It's in verse 6, and Isaac dwelt in Gerar. Why? Because he was in Canaan, where he was supposed to be. And so God's saying, don't leave the land of promise. Oh, you're in the beginning stages. There's a long way to go. And you even know, Isaac, because I prophesied to your father, that there's going to be 400 years uh, in a strange land that's going to happen. And so you know that the time of the, being a, a great nation and a blessed nation isn't yet, but the promise is there. This is just the beginning stages. Hmm. And so Isaac, staying in that land of promise, in the early stages, in the time of famine, Stayed in Guerrero. Now, if we were to keep reading, I won't for the sake of time, but 7 through 11, we see, we see that same thing manifest. And so we know that there is an issue, a heart issue that even Isaac is, is uh, struggling with, just like his father did. And you see that same thing unfold. This is why, parents, we've got to be so careful. We've got to give our children godly examples, not just here, but in the home. They're watching, they're seeing, they're observing. Amen. Somehow he picked up something from his father that was a partial lie, and it becomes a full lie in, in his life. Uh, you know what, I'm going to go a little bit further on this. This is why, this is why it is so imperative that we continue to grow in virtue, grow in knowledge, grow in the word, and let the light of God continue to shine deep into our hearts and continue to reveal and expose things within us. Because we've all got them. Is there anyone here who has reached celestial level yet? <laughs> no. We're contending with this flesh. And I can only speak for me and Paul because he wrote of it. That no matter how much I know what I need to do, because of this flesh, mm, because of the struggle of the two natures, the spiritual man and the natural man, the old man and the new man, been born again, so there's this new man and this struggle and it's 
constantly going on and the two are contrary the one to the other so that I cannot do the things I should and I Paul's words and mine so you don't have to raise your hand but if you struggle with it just know you're in good company because of Paul maybe bad company because of me <laughs> but we struggle with it amen uh, and we see this revealed and we got to continue to grow and famines will grow us indeed Verse 12, then Isaac, well, let me read it this way. Verse 3, God says, sojourn in this land, and I will. Verse 7, or 6, and Isaac dwelt in Gerar. And verse 12, then Isaac sowed in that land. Everyone say, that land. What land is that land? It's the land that God said, stay here. This is where I want you. There's a famine going on, and it looks a little bit better down by the Phil- or in Egypt, which is in the back of your mind, but stay right here. Ah, it's going to take a little bit of faith to stay right here. Because, you know, like, the, like the song said, I, I'll, I'll change it a little bit. I can't afford to live by what I see. You can't afford to live by what you feel. I thank God I feel the presence of God so strongly in here. But we may not all feel him in here right now. Some of us, maybe more than others. But he's still here. What you feel does not change the fact that God is and that God is here. Amen. It's true. It's immutable. It's unchangeable. God is here. God is for you. You may not feel like God is for you. You may not, it may not seem like he's for you, but God is for you. Just stay right here. Amen. Ah. This is the first time I looked at the clock. I'm so sorry because now is when the time starts. (laughs) I hardly have any notes, just mostly the Bible. I love, I love church. I, I love the word. I love, I love you, Jesus. So he sowed in that land and received in it the same year. Everyone say, the same year. In a time of famine. Say that with me. In a time of famine. In the same year. And hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. This is where I got to say, Ahimelech, what were you thinking? It's maybe where we need to shake ourselves and say, whoa, hold on, what are you thinking? This is where God went ahead and spoke to Isaac, what are you thinking? (laughs) He didn't speak it, but he was thinking of Egypt. And God's saying, you just stay right here and watch and see what I'm going to do. Uh, let me say it this way because God's already done it this all knowing God he's not bound and confined within the limits of time and space God who knows no beginning and knows no end 
And if we really try to think about this for the next hour and the next day, the next week, and the rest of our natural lives, we'll never truly be able to comprehend it. But it's as if it already were in God's mind. There is no beginning and there is no end to God. He just is. Period. So what he's going to do, what he has promised, it already is. It's true. Hmm. <laughs> we just have to walk in it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by faith, for by it, the elders obtained. God had already spoken the promise to the elders. Abraham was an elder. God had already spoken it. By faith, Abraham stepped in faith. One step at a time. I don't know where I'm going, but I know I'm going. <laughs> I'm going to keep following. And it was by faith, every step of faith. Because it already, it was as if it already were. Abraham had to just walk in that promise. And it's the same thing for you and I. God already has, hmm, he already has the outcome in mind. And the outcome is, he knows the good things he has for you. Thoughts of what? Mm-hmm, good and no evil. That's right. Thoughts of blessing. Abundance. Amen. And I'm not even going to apologize. I'm not going to get apologetic. Thoughts of abundance. Amen. He received that same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Now, here comes a little trial within, the, within that famine. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. <laughs> Why? Because he stayed where he was supposed to be, and he did what he was supposed to do. And now we'll start to see it unfold here. The Philistines, they, they envy him. And then verse 15, for all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. <laughs> the Egypt will never be your friend and the Philistines will never be mine. It'll never happen. Oh, yeah. Don't have the time. <laughs> Verse 16, And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. Verse 17, So Isaac departed thence, and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar, and dwelled there. He removed himself from the sight of, but he did not leave the territory God wanted him in. Did you catch that? He started in Guerrero, and now he's still in Guerrero. He removed himself from the sight of Abimelech. And here you have it, verse 18. What do you do in a time of famine? 
God has a way of increasing when we don't even know or recognize the increase. God has a way of bringing, we won't, hmm. only God knows. But the increase is happening. And here you have it, verse 18, And Isaac digged again the wells of water, which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father, for the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. It starts to shed some light on it, right? Isaac, you're going to have to go through some famines. You're not going to be able to rest on Abraham's laurels. You're not going to be able to rest on his faith. The water that was flowing in the life of Abraham has now deceased. Isaac couldn't live on it. And now it's time to dig some wells for himself. What we do in a time of famine is we start digging. That's where we dig deeper roots. Because you think about it. Right now there's a famine. In, in a famine, we need water. Water's deeper down. When you dig a well, you're, you're digging down for, for, for that water, right? And the beautiful thing about it is, when those roots get dug deeper... The next time a famine comes, you're in a much better place, and I'm in a much better place to endure the famine. And then the increase God's brought, uh, it's got plenty of water to supply the need to, well, in this scenario, in the example, it would be for the cattle and the substance. But for you and I, it's digging deep into the Word. It's digging deep into the Spirit. It's in a place of an altar, and it's in the place of, of the Word. It's continuing to study. It's continuing to move forward. It's continuing to not only read our bread and not only spend some time in prayer, but it's time to explore and really start to ah, let the Word redefine and continue to let the Spirit Continue to transform us by the renewing of our mind. Amen. Verse 19, And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of... Who's all got Bibles in here? Or, I don't, don't show your hand. What different renderings do we have here? Does anyone got an NIV? What does the NIV say there? Because the King James says, NIV? Look. All right, fresh water. How quick can you do that? What's the ESV say? I'm going to put you to the test now. Well, that's the ASV. Springing water? A well of spring water? Springing water. You look that word up in the Hebrew... And you get descriptions like living water. Not only because it's prophetic, <laughs> but because water brings life. Water, when we're digging, it, it represents life. Nourishment, opportunity for growth. They dig and they find a well of springing water. Verse 21, and he dig another well 
and strove for that also because the Philistines start striving with them, but they continued to dig wells. Verse 22, and he removed from thence and digged another well. For that they strove not, and he called the name of it Rehoboth. And he said, for now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. He had to, he started with one well, and then he dug another well. That second well produced running water, living water, water that you, what happened in the narrative was the water flowed and it started to stream out. And it started to nourish the land. That's the exact reason why the Philistines strove for that well. It was life that was spreading out. And this is where I would say the adversary is going to go ahead and try and stifle that thing, take that thing, take the victory, take what you're learning, what you're growing, what, what's increasing you, and take it away. And that's where we get the example of, okay, maybe you lost that one. Maybe it's in a time of loss. Maybe it's in a moment of loss. And maybe the, the, the blessing isn't manifesting yet. That's all right. Don't run. Don't go to Egypt. That's not the answer. Start digging another well. Get into another chapter. Find another altar. Keep digging. Keep digging down. Keep preparing. Keep preparing for what God is going to do in your life. Not just where he's got you right now. Keep preparing for what God's plans are. Amen. Amen. Hmm. It was his last well. The Philistines quit striving for. Maybe they just gave up and realized <laughs> we're not going to stop them. <laughs> God's hand is upon them. He's too blessed. We got enough water. And the Lord in 24 appeared unto him the same night and said, I am God, the God of Abraham, thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. Verse 25, and he builded an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there and there Isaac's servants digged a well. This is what I love about the word of God. So what he did, he said, I'm going to stay right here and I've got the altar and I've got my well. I'm going to live I'm going to make my, I'm going to have my abode between the altar and between the well. Because I'm going to be increased in God's spirit and I'm going to be nourished in the well of his word. Amen. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. So, Back to root. The wells, we dig. Did I get that across? When, when a time of famine, dig. Ahimelech, dig. Don't move. Don't move, just dig. We don't make big decisions. I got to say this too. We do not make life-altering decisions in a time of famine. Write that down. Write that down and somehow put it in your computer or whatever. So your iPhone, your tablet, so that it, you come into a time of famine, next time it just is an alert that comes off. 
No big decisions right now. Gonna hunker down. And I'm gonna make sure my well is flowing and I'm gonna dig deeper and I'm gonna make sure I've got my altar. Amen. Okay, so back to Ruth. Picking up where we left off in verse 6. And then she, Naomi, arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab that place that was supposed to be the answer and cost her everything. She had heard how the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. (laughs) I'm guessing someone did some repenting. I'm guessing someone back in Israel was digging some wells and someone was building some altars. (laughs) And God visited them. He just hit the light switch, turned it back on. He was already there. He was always there. Wherefore, she went forth out of the place where she was, in verse 7, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go and return each to her mother's house, and the Lord deal kindly with you, as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. And the Lord grant you that ye may find rest, each of you, in the house of your husband, She's basically saying, I'm old. I'm not going to have more children. Go back home and find a new husband. And then she kissed them and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will ye go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that... They may be your husbands. Turn again, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have an husband also tonight and should also bear children, would ye tarry for them till they were grown? What she's saying is, you're not terribly young, but you're still young enough. If you wait around you're going to be too old, just like me. Would you tarry for them till they are grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters. And here we go. For it... Hey, can you bring this one up for me on... Let's, this is going to be fun. Bring up the NIV on this one. For it grieveth me much. In verse 13... And why am I not? Oh, there you go. No, my daughters. It is more bitter. Ha. It is more bitter for me than for you. This is where it gets interesting to me. Naomi left the land of promise because of a famine. And it's about, the scripture is about to really say it better, better than I could, but she is coming back with nothing. When she gets back, she even, you know, the ladies of Bethlehem, they're, they're all excited that she's back. They're, is this Naomi? Is this Naomi? And her response is, don't call me Naomi. 
Does anyone know what she says? She says, call me Mara. Mara means bitter. She is a bitter woman. I've never caught this before, but she's a bitter woman. It's right there. I'm bitter. God has dealt harshly with me. He's removed his hand from me. Who wouldn't have heart issues like this after what she's been through? God did not fail her. Her husband failed her. God doesn't fail. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. We can outresist him, but you won't outrun him. Amen. It's true. She's bitter. And what blows my mind is, what was it about her that still compelled these two daughter-in-laws to want to go back with her to her land that was a place of famine for all they knew? And yet there was, there was still something that they saw in Naomi. Despite the bitterness, the hurt, the pain, there was still something that spoke to them. <sighs> I'll just say it this way. Even in our lowliest, worst states, bitter Dismayed, angry, frustrated Christians. <laughs> Perhaps is it possible that you're still in a better place than they are in Egypt? Or they are in Moab? Could it be that there was still something deep within Naomi that, that her daughters-in-law recognized and saw and looked past the facade of where they came from? There was something. Verse 14, and they lifted up their voice and wept again and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law but Ruth claved to her. Ruth grabbed a hold of her. She wasn't going to let go. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not, from, not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people. And thy God, my God. This bitter woman. Huh. And still Ruth sees through it. This bitter, broken, beat down woman. And Ruth still saw through it. I don't care who you are or what you've been through. You're never too broke down for God. You're never too bitter for God. You are never out of God's reach. You are never out of God's grace. And I'll even take it a step further and say, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. They change not. If God ever had a call in your life, he's still got a call in your life. Matter of fact, 
My Bible and your Bible says those of us who are mature in Christ ought to restore those who have fallen. And so it's true. No more excuses. You have no excuse. If Ruth didn't have an excuse, either do you. Amen. And if Job didn't have an excuse, either do you. Hmm. And when she saw that she was steadfast, in verse 18, minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. I got to move quickly. Verse 20 is when I mentioned earlier she gets back and she says unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. I'm going to stop that chapter by saying God didn't leave her. They left where they were supposed to be. But, (laughs) and I'll move quickly. Chapter 2. This is where we find Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech, And his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, she has not met Boaz. She doesn't even know of Boaz. But Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, let me go now to the field and glean ears of corn after your kinsmen. Naomi knows of him. Let me now go to the field and glean the ears of corn after him, in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she, said, she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hap was to light on the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. All right, here we go. And, and behold. No. <laughs> Doesn't really fit. More like, and Behold. I don't think you can read these two words without really emphasizing and behold. It's an announcement. It's a proclamation. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, I don't have a whole lot of time to spend here, but we know that Ruth is all about the kinsman kinsman redeemer, right? It's a shadow and foretype of Jesus Christ. Redeeming you and I. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servants. Can you bring this one up? Let's try the ESV. Verse 5. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was over his reapers. Whose damsel is this? Can you get me the ESV? Ah, whose young woman is this? Boaz ah, looks at her not as a worthless middle-aged woman. She didn't even know, she didn't even realize. 
Boaz is a man of means. Boaz is a man who's got plenty, who's blessed beyond measure. Boaz is a man without a wife and without a son. And Boaz is a man just looking for a bride. Boaz is the kinsman redeemer. We know the rest of the story of Ruth. But it doesn't need to play out and we don't even need to go there. And behold was the beginning of the end of Ruth's need. And behold, at that moment, it's already as if it were. It's only got to play out. And it will. They left because of a famine. Dig your well. And behold, uh, he who is faithful, he's not going to tarry long. And behold, it may be immediately, whether we feel like we have to wait for a moment or not, it's as if it already were in his eyes, in his sight. He's already authored it. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Walk in faith and dig that well. Stay between that altar and that well. Keep digging. Keep praying. God's already moving. Amen. In closing, and I'm out of time. John chapter 4. Thank you, Jesus. Hmm. <laughs> John chapter 4. Starting with verse 5. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria... That's Jesus, which is called Sakar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, that happened in Genesis chapter 48 and 22, which is pretty awesome, but I don't have time to go there. Write it down, check it out. Verse 6, now Jacob's well ha, was there. Jacob's well was there. Do you realize this well was dug some 1,000 years earlier? So when a living, well, a well of living water, when it's dug and it starts moving, it starts flowing, we set things in motion. We're a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away, all things have become new, right? That spiritual man, when God breathes the breath of life into that spiritual man, that is an eternal soul. It's an eternal being. It, the soul is already it's a spiritual effect, that we, it's an eternal effect that we have when we're digging a well. well. What Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob thought they were doing in digging a well, they thought they were just supplying for their temporary needs. But a thousand years later, mm, the well's still here. Oh, and oh, how significant that well is. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away to the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ah, asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? How, how, how can that be? It don't matter to Jesus. It don't matter to Jesus at all. He's the root and the offspring of David. Oh, and David came, what? Wasn't his grandfather Boaz? 
God don't care. He's no respecter of persons. God has authored salvation for all mankind. We just need to walk in it in faith. Amen. So here he is, a thousand years later at this well. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Why? Because someone dug a well. Ah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Why? Because in a famine, in a time of famine, someone hunkered down and dug a well and built an altar. Oh. The woman saith to him, Sir, thou hast, verse 11, thou hast nothing in I know I'm out of time, but I got, you got to see this one. The woman saith to him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou the living water? You know what she's saying? She's not talking about water. Jesus sees right past that. She's saying, huh, the hurt is so deep, you can't touch this. The pain is so deep. The wounds are so deep, you can't touch this. But she doesn't realize she's talking to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. She's talking to the God of the, the only wise God, the only God of the universe. She's talking to the all-powerful, majestic Jesus. Ha! Don't tell him he can't touch this. Oh, 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 oh. Yes, he can. Ha! If you only knew, let's stand, I'm out of time. Oh. Art thou greater than our father Jacob? Yes. <laughs> Which gave us this well, and drank there of himself and his children and his cattle. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Everlasting life. Oh. Not just a flowery sermon. Not just any enticing words. But words of life. Find yourself in a place of famine. Dig a well. Huh. Take deep roots. God's only just begun to work. And he is faithful. He's going to bring the increase. He's going to bless you. He's going to bring the victory. It's as if it already were in Jesus' name. Last scripture. Matthew chapter 11. Sister Bauer, would you come play? Oh, you're already there. Ha. Oh, Jesus. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. I'm going to ask you one more time. Say it with me. Come. Come unto me, all ye that 
labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Next word, take. Say it with me, take. Take my yoke upon you, and then learn. Say it with me, learn. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find. Say it with me, find. Shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come, take, learn, and find. That's what a well do for you. I'm hurting God. I don't know if I've got the strength left. I don't know if I can muster the faith. It's the beautiful thing about a mustard seed. I, I actually do think there are smaller seeds. I could be wrong on that. But what I do know is this. That mustard seed, when it's planted, the mustard seed they're talking about in the scripture, <laughs> it started out as just a little seed. That plant would flourish. And it would just take over, literally, the mountainside. That's what faith will do. That's the faith the Word's talking about. You just take that little bit of faith. Start digging. Take a little bit of faith and build an altar. God's going to bring the increase. And it'll take over. What you once were, you won't even recognize. I promise you that. Because God's only just begun. Ah. And it's as if it already were. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. God, these are words of life. And words that will save. Words that will increase. And so, Lord Jesus. Lord, as we open this altar right here, right now. Let it be a moment and a time where we declare. We're going to build an altar and we're going to dig a well, Jesus. Ah. I may not even be going through the famine. But I'm going to dig anyways. I'm going to prepare. Jesus, thank you for the promises of your word and the principles of your word. I pray that you will bless every single soul in this place today, Jesus. And let your will be done. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.